glad to see you all made it back in one piece. Okay. So we were discussing that there's Klippa comes into two big two categories, right? One is called the three impure klipas. It's known in Hebrew as the Shloisha Klippa Septimaeus, Lagamre, completely impure. And they are alluded to in the prophecy of Yechezkel when he describes his vision, the first three things he mentions are reference to the Klippas. And we discussed that what, they, what these are is these are things that <coughs> go against godliness. Now, before we, we go forward, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of klipas. Right. And to do that, what I want to do is I want to actually talk about religion more generally. There are different ways of conceptualizing religion. And I'm going to, for purposes of this discussion, I'm going to um, break it down into three, okay? And the order that I'm gonna put them in is what I think are most palatable to people. It's the least palatable. It's the most palatable is what I would call the psychological view of religion. Okay? In other words, there's the world. The world functions the way the world functions. Things happen, right? There's physics and engineering and chemistry and whatever, right? But there's something in the human psyche which is very deep and very profound that is only addressed through religious ideas, practice, concepts. Um, and at the same time, the relevance of religion is how it addresses and how it gives us a way of dealing with psychological issues. And I don't mean psychological issues in the, in the sense of like serious mental health issues. But the psychological issues that are endemic to being a human being, right? So, which is, you know, so if you go to a person, say, please, secular person, maybe even an atheistic person, and you talk about religion, you put it in the context of things like a sense um, of meaning, you talk about religion as how it helps a person <coughs> deal with things like tragedy, right? And you downplay any what I would call metaphysical claims, any claims about the ultimate nature of reality, but that sort of the truth of religion is what it does for the psyche of the person. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. So, like, and this is either something you find, like in a Chabad house, like, is going to have a class on the weekly Torah reading, right? So now we could have a class in the weekly Torah reading which focuses on analyzing the Holy Scripture and what kind of crowd is that going to pull? Or we could have, like, ancient secrets for improving your marriage or self-esteem, right? And how, what kind of crowd is that going to pull? Right? So the idea being is that the, 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 the veracity and the relevance of religion is how it improves and addresses things that human beings struggle with within their own minds and hearts. Okay? That's one way of kind of thinking of religion. And I'd say that that to the degree that, that modern conceptions of the world tolerate religion or value religion, it's very much in that way of looking at things. Okay. Then, 
there's another way of conceptualizing religion, which I'm going to call the philosophical way, which is that religion is about ultimate metaphysical truths. And the human being is meant to live a life that is subservient to those higher metaphysical truths. Okay? So, for instance, um, there's a truth that, that God creates the world. Okay? And we need to be, and, and the goal of religion is that we should, we should not just believe that, but that should, we should live in accordance with that truth. Um, and you say, well, I mean, what, is that, what am I going to gain if I live in accordance with the truth that God creates the world and can just live a good, wonderful, pleasant, moral life without that? And so the, the first view is going to struggle to try and explain, like, well, what, what, what are you losing? What's not being addressed? Not what's, what's, what's lacking in your quality of experience of life if you don't live with this truth? But the philosophical approach would say, well, the truth is its own reward. In fact, not to live with this truth it basically renders you an animal. So it, it, it shifts the focus, right? The focus is that there is some ultimate truth, and the goal of religion is to get a person to be as connected to that ultimate truth in whatever way they can. So there's to act in accordance with the truth, to believe the truth, to have it govern your, your values. And, okay? and if that makes your life more difficult and more stressful and creates greater demands on you, or even requires you to give up your life for it, so be it. Because that, the real significance of things is living in accordance with the truth not whether or not it improves your um, quality of life. Okay, I would say that this idea of religion is probably a lot less popular, right? Yeah? Okay. So, like, um, if you say that you know, like, the idea of martyrdom is kind of a little bit hard to fully wrap your mind around in that first way of thinking about religion, right? I mean, what could be that important that you should die over, right? From a religious point of view. Um, what martyrdom means to be willing to die? But from the second point, you could say, okay, look, there's this higher truth, and the value of human life is that living going that truth. So to go against that truth renders the life irrelevant, and so you give it up. Okay. Now, what I want to point out, though, is that these two different ways of thinking about religion, they have something in common, which is, are you forced to acknowledge anything other than the world that you know and God? Like, the scheme of everything that exists is there's you know people, trees, right? The stuff that we experience in the world, right? Emotions and then God, right? God is aloof, transcendent, whatever. Okay. So in this, if you think about it in this scheme, how would you understand the idea that there's a klipa? What is a klipa? A klipa is a barrier, covers over, right? So you could you can make that psychological. You could say, oh, klipa is that we have tendencies, things in us that don't let us see the real truth. They don't let us connect to what things really are, right? And as we, we, we explain the klipa as a psychological tendency in the human spirit, right? Um, or you could think of klipa as just the fact that it's hard to see the metaphysical truths, right? Like the fact that Hashem creates the world is not self-evident, and the reason it's not self-evident is something is it's something about the way the world is doesn't allow us to see that. So we. Or is it the metaphysical concept? What? Can't people just be a metaphysical concept? Right. It's about, you, you could think of it, but 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 
but now what the, the thing is though you don't actually have to talk about the klipa as an entity like there's my mother yeah. right there's the milkman I mean there's the milkman anymore but way back in the day there was a milkman and there's the klipa right, right? like you would like the, the klipa is a property of things something when you say oh something Right. Like a, yeah. Right. I don't mean to say it's not real or significant, right? But it's not a. It's not. You know. It's like, like love. Love is not a thing in its own right. Love is a property of of, of things. It's something you experience, right? Through my human experiences, I experience. Yeah. Right. So, and this is often how people talk about klipa. They talk about klipa either as a kind of psychological facet, which is how I actually spoke about it last week, right? The sense of rejecting of Hashem, right? Of stubbornness. I spoke about it, psychological manifestations. Or you can think of it more metaphysically in the sense that Klippa is describing the fact that certain things are just, they don't convey the ultimate truth of God. Right? It's, a, it's a property. But then there's this other way of viewing religion, which I'm going to call just mystical. <coughs> and what mystical, when you do have a mystical point of view, is that there are entities that exist that are not part of reality as we experience, but they're beings, and they're not God, right? So in a mystical, right? So, so it, it, when you think of a, a more mystical version of religion, right? So all of a sudden things like angels and demons become a, like, a legitimate thing to talk about, right? Okay. Right, you, see, you hear the difference in what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. So now, I'm going to ask you a question. And you tell me if this sentence makes sense. The klipa's desire, dot, dot, dot. Does that make any sense? The klipa's desire, dot, well, dot, dot. just according to the last one. Right. The first one, who makes it the klipa's desire? Like, like a klipa's not a thing, right? A klipa's, you know, it's... It, we talk like that in time. But we talk like that in time. We do speak about the klipa's desire, and the klipa's know, and the klipa's want, and the klipa's are aware, right? Which makes it sound like... Hasidus understands things in this more psychological sense, the metaf- more than the philosophical, or in the mystical sense. Okay. And this is what's very important to know, is that klipas are beings. They are entities. They are alive. I mean, you use the word alive, even though Hasidus would argue they're not alive, just based on the argument that, that life is godliness and holiness, and they lack that. But in our normal use of the notion of alive, klipas are alive. Okay. Um, so I realize not everyone has the book. So I can't really tell you all to turn to the page, okay? But there is a letter that the Altarba wrote. And I just want to read to you a short excerpt of part of this letter. It's letter, 20, it's letter 25 um, in Agarasa Kodesh. And... But 25 as well, because I will give you the page. Um, okay. Page 591? Um, f- oh, 547 in my book. Yeah, but it's near the end of the letter. Okay. Now, I just want to give you the background of this. And, and the reason why we're doing this is to give us, to, to orient ourselves for what Dr. is going to say later on. And I think it's just, it's more vivid here. And I want us to learn this the way the Altar intended it rather than 
making it more psychological or metaphysical um, and, and missing his point. Okay, so just in context, there was a dispute. One of the key teachings of Chassidus is the imminence of Hashem, that Hashem is present everywhere. Um, the Baal Shem Tov taught that there is a godliness, the Shekhinah, divine presence, rests even in a non-Jew. And this was very controversial. Okay. And there's a long letter of the altar of explaining this idea. And, and this letter was written to the Chassidim in the city of Vilna. Because the Chassidim in the city of Vilna felt very um, under attack by the criticism that was made by the opponents of Chassidim, um, the Vilna Gon at, at the head, that this idea that Hashem is imminent, present in everything, even in a, a non-Jewish idolater, that that, that that violates any any notion of the sanctity of God and I mean, all sorts of things like that. that. Would have been very hard to swallow that when you're experiencing such like brutality at the hands of people around you weren't Jewish. That wasn't the issue. I mean, the, I mean, the the, the 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 issue wasn't that the non-Jew is holy. The issue is more about to to, to put it more in its con more in its context. You have to be aware that that with there had been a, a very large trauma that Jewish people had gone through through um, the episode of Shabtai Tzvi, who was a false messiah. And, one of, and, and basically, there was, a, there was this sense that, that mystical teachings were being used, independent of whether the idea is conceptually correct or not. Like, but that mystical teachings, in addition to just being mistaught incorrectly, were then being used to justify a rejection of normative Judaism, right? And if you think about this idea, if you just take it on a very simple, if Hashem's present resides in everything, right, then why are some things forbidden? Why are some things unholy? That becomes hard to explain. Um, and, and so the, the, there's a, the, 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 there was a sense that, that the, this idea that Hashem is imminent and present in everything, and that you could even equate godliness with nature, maybe even, that that ultimately would undermine and get rid of any notion of the revealed religion of you know what's forbidden, what's permitted, what's obligated, um, and that was one of the main motivations of the opponents of Hasidim, separate from the purely philosophical argument of whether the ideas are correct. So in this letter, the Alter explains this idea at great length. Um, he then goes on and on to an attack and he critiques the opponents of the Hasidim. Uh, that they disregard the teachings of their Rizal. In other words, that we're, we're staying true with what the teachings of their Rizal, which were Kabbalistic teachings. Um, and the, the, the idea is, so if you just look at the top of the page, um, actually, um, go back one page, the bottom page, just read from the beginning of the paragraph. It would seem to me. So if those of you have it, you don't have great. If you don't, you'll just have to kind of listen along. It's on five four five at the bottom of the page. Oh, the same one as me was six two. Okay, so here he 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 says that this idea of the shekinah rests on the non-Jew is like the improper use of the word. But then he goes on and clarifies. It would seem to me that they're seizing this passage not because of the accuracy of the phraseology, but with respect to the idea of the investment of the shechin in the klipas. That he's saying these, these, these people, the Benagon, these Misnagdim, they oppose the idea that the shechin is in the klipa. This, this idea they, 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 they disagree with. For they do not believe what the, the Arizal of Blessed Memory wrote in his work, Sefer Gagolim. And now he says as follows, right? Should they want to distinguish between the spiritual klipas and the physical idolaters, 
Right? So he wants to say like this, that maybe they want to make an argument that the Arizal says the Shechina rests, the Shechina resides in the Klippas. But the Klippas are spiritual beings. The idolater is not a spiritual being. He's a physical being. So he says, well, that, that, the, the, that difference doesn't matter because there's nothing more physical than dust of the earth and then the less, the Malchus of Malchus of Asiya, which is a spiritual level, vests itself within the Malchus of Yitzir, which is mentioned above, and that's all clothed in the earth. So we see the Arizal says that, that, the, that the divine presence rests in the physical earth. So physicality isn't the obstacle. And should it be because of the impurity of the souls of the Gentiles, their souls come, I don't even know how to say this Latin word, but it means having physical relations. I don't know how you say that word in English. Conjunction? No, it's a Latin, it's a Latin word. It comes from the it comes from the the unity of the masculine and feminine of the spiritual klipas as the writings of the Arizo. Okay, so what is he saying here? That where does the where does the impurity of of the things in the physical world come from? There's a male klipa and a female klipa, and they get together, and they right just men and women get together. They have little children. Right? They give off what men and women get together, they produce life. Where does the life of all the unholy things come from? From other unholy things. From these beings called klipas. And the klipas are busy having children. And their children are the. Are, and that's what enlivens the Gentile. So do you see how he's talking about the klipas not as like something in your psyche? Yeah. And he's not talking about klipas as like a metaphysical idea that God is not a parent. He's speaking about them like, yeah. like living beings that do stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, right? And he's saying if, if, if the Shechina can rest in the actual parent klipa, then certainly can reside in the, in, in the physical Gentile. Okay, setting that up, I don't want to get into that issue. That's not the point I want to get to. But I just want you to see is that klipas are understood in Hasidus along the lines of traditional Kabbalah as and we use this terminology, I think it drives the point home, demonic beings. Not an idea, not a psychological tendency, not a property of physical reality, but there is a being, and that being is a being of klipa. Okay. So klipa are what, demonic beings? They're demonic beings, yeah. What? Okay. So... So, what do these klipas want? What do they want? To stop. What? They want, they want to... Attach themselves. To what? Attach themselves. To what? To the goddess? We'll get to that in a second. Uh, I'll touch on that. No, what Klippas what, what, what what want is they want the opposite of what God wants. So if God, if God wants that the truth of himself and his unity should be revealed, what do Klippas want? To obscure it. To obscure it, to deny it, right. And so when does a Klippa feel like it's really thriving and flourishing? When God is obscured. When does a klipa feel in danger? When God is revealed. 
Now, Klippas have a technical problem, which is that Klippas all need to get their life from where? From God. Yeah. Now, once a Klippa has something, it can pass it on. Okay. Okay. So, so Klippas have this kind of this kind of like it's like if you work for a boss that you despise, right? You want your boss to keep you employed because that's the only way you're getting money, right? But you despise your boss. Okay. So, but what I wanted to understand is that the Klippas are these beings. And they are enlivening everything. They're, in other words, everything in this world is getting its, its existence, its characteristic, its properties, not directly from God, but from the klipas. So the klipas receive from God, as we discussed in the last class, right? Mm-hmm. And once these klipas, these klipas are not physical things. What are, they're the beings that actually are enlivening and sustaining everything that goes on in the world. Okay. And if you were to ask them, and if you were to ask them, who really runs the show about how things happen in the physical world? Them. Yeah. Now, if you were to ask God, who really runs the show? God. God. So this is like a classic marriage, right? Where if you ask the husband, he's convinced that he's running the show. You ask the wife, she says, yeah, well, that's what I make him think that he's running the show, but really I'm running the show. Right? So in the Klippa's mind, they really think that they're running the show and they've got one over on God and they've got this all worked out, right? But really they're being played for a fool. Okay. You can think of any number of analogies where that idea would hold, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's led to believe that, that, that they're the one running the show, and really they're, the, they're, they're not the puppeteer, they're the puppet. Okay. But the thing is, that means in practice, nonetheless, the klipas are the direct point of contact between spiritual reality and physical reality. Right. Right? Okay. And like the worst thing that could possibly happen is if a male clip and a female clip get together, because what's that going to do? Yeah. I've never. What? You never heard of that? I don't know how to think. Yeah. Okay, so there's. I'll give you an example of what a male clip is and a female clip. Okay. The female clip is the clip that convinces you that you can actually sin. <coughs> that you can get away with it. That's the, 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 the female klipa is the part of you that says God's not really in charge. I mean, that's not, again, that's not the klipa. That's the, 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 the thing that convinces you that you can really disregard God and like it all work out, that's a female klipa. Now, the male klipa is the one that makes you think that you really want to do something that you're not allowed to do. Right? So now what happens if those two get together in your mind? On the one hand, you want to eat the cheeseburger. On the one hand, you have the male clip is telling you the cheeseburger tastes really good. On the other hand, the female clip is telling you that you can do it again and get away with it. Now what's going to happen? You put those together. You eat the cheeseburger and what you think you just did an action, but really you're just, you're just like, your, your action is just the embodiment of the unity of these clipas and like, yeah. Does it say in this paragraph the male and women No, it mentions a little bit in the next chapter, and I don't know if we're going to get into it. My point of mentioning that thing about the male and female is just so that we start thinking of it more accurately as, as, as spiritual beings. beings, right? So where are the klipas? The answer is, I mean, we don't see the klipas. We see trees and people and, and the sun, the moon, and the stars. Those aren't klipas, right? If you have two klipas that come together and have a child klipa, and that creeper influences a human. Is the human, since they're 
like the connecting point between like God and the human reality. Is it then is there a further connection because it's like a generation generation of Kleepa, or is it still the same distance, so to speak, from godliness to human reality? Both are true. It depends on how you want to categorize it. Like the way you phrase the question, like on one hand, like there's the very notion that we're in the realm of Kleepa, it's all the same. But on the other hand, you know, there's that's definitely um, I mean just think about it. A person who has sinned is further away from God than a person who hasn't sinned, right? And so, yes. Oh, so when they together, yeah, they yeah. Okay. Now, to be fair, I'm kind of oversimplifying it because I'm not really interested in teaching this idea per se. I'm using this idea to get us to think of the Klippas, okay? So just, here's an interesting story. We know the story that Yaakov wrestled with um, the angel of Esau. Okay, so what did he wrestle with? So he wrestled with. The evil twin. No, he wrestled. No, he didn't wrestle with with Asa. So remember, it's the klipa that enlivens everything. Yeah. So, so if there's a man Asa, what's the thing? What's the entity that's keeping this being called Asa alive? The and so, right. And so, what did Yaakov have a battle with? The with the klipa, not with Asa. With the Klippa. Yeah, but if that's the case, then he would have had a battle with Asa. Asa. Which is why, after he struggled with him and they won, he gets to Asa. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a done deal, right? He gets to Asa, right? It can be separated. Okay. And what happens since Yaakov already battled Asa, uh, the, already battled the Klippa of Asa and defeated the Klippa of Asa? So therefore, when he gets to the actual Asa, right? Like he already did that. Right, he he won the battle before he walked onto the battle. Right, if you defeat the enemy in spirit, you don't need to fight the actual war. How do you know it was a negative mob? That's what it says in the tradition. I'm not, uh, I mean, the sukkim are extremely vague as to what's happening there. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. Right. So, so when we learn the rest of this chapter, what I want us to think is like this: that there's. Just the same way we think about, like, you know, we have the, the idea of a soul, right? You could think of the soul as just like the fact that we all have our inner life. That's a very psychological way of thinking of soul, right? You could think of the soul as like this metaphysical thing, right? And then, you know, it's like this idea that there's like an essential point of a human being that makes them a person, that gives them value, blah, 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 right? Or you could think like there's this actual entity called the soul. And it like, it was around before you were born. It enters your body. And there's a, how does, this, how does it exist in a, and there's a whole interesting complication of the soul-body interaction, right? more mystical way of thinking about it. So I want us to think about klipas not as things in the world, but as more like souls. But instead of godly souls, they are evil souls. They are souls, they thrive on the opposite of God, right? And they suffer the more godliness is revealed. Okay. Now, to be more precise, I'm talking here about the three impure klipas, but we're just going to generalize it, okay? So these klipas, from them, we are now back to um, the end of chapter six. Um, the left-hand column, about a third of the way from the bottom, where it starts from them. Okay, now what we're gonna do is we're going to enumerate. We're gonna list some things and we're gonna count them, okay? From them, from the Klippas, flow and derive one, the souls of all the nations of the world. Okay, so are, in other words, is the is the klipa the soul of the non-Jew? No. What does it say here? But it derives from 
Right. The, 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 it, it's not that the klipa is the soul of the non-Jew. The klipa is the thing that is the source of its soul. In other words, so it is not the soul, but it is the source of the soul. That's right. How do you understand that? It's not entirely. In other words, in other, in, in other, in other words, in other words, the the klipas are actually quite powerful beings, and they and they enliven and generate many things. One of the things the klipas produce are the souls of non-Jews. Let's go further, make the list. Another thing they produce, the existence of their bodies. Okay, so what? It's like physical. Right, so in other words, why is it that a non-Jew's body doesn't decay? What's keeping that body together? What's keeping that body intact? What? The klipa, right? The same klipa which also generated their soul, right? So it's two separate things. The klipa is the source of their souls, and it is also right, what keeps their bodies in existence. That's two. Th three. And also the souls of all living creatures that are unclean and unfit for consumption. So what creates the soul of dogs and cats and mice and slugs? Klipa. So their body is completely and totally full of whereas ours is Right, ours is, yeah, ours is different. And the existence of their bodies. What keeps the body of a dog from decaying? The klipa. Okay. As well as the existence and vitality of all forbidden food in the vegetable kingdom, such as arla and mixed seeds in the vineyard. Okay. So anything that exists in the world that is not, like, holy... Okay, so what I want to do is I want to make a chart and make, make sure we count what is on this chart and what isn't on this chart, okay? So, first off, Arla and what else? Arla and the mixed seeds. I'll tell you what that is in a second. We have markers that show up nicely because I'm getting... Yeah, that'll work. Okay. Okay. So, first off, let's just talk about how many things exist in the world. Okay? We have... Can I use Hebrew? Do you guys are comfortable with Hebrew? Kind of, not Okay. Well, you learn a little bit of Hebrew. Okay. There's something called daimim. What is daimim? Do you know what daimim means? Daimim are things that are not alive in any sense. Okay? So that would be things like rocks, water, salt, steel, right? Those are all things that are called daimim. Literally means silent, okay? Then you have what's called semea. Semeach means growing, plant life. Chai, okay. living. That would be things like animals, okay? Then we have medaber, speaking, that's people. And lastly, Yisrael, Jews, okay? So how many things do we have? Five. Five, okay? Okay, then we have what's called the nefesh, the soul, and the goof. Okay, good? So. Wait, the what? The goof? The is the body. Soul, nefesh, soul, goof, body, okay? Now, here we're talking about things. Now we have this entity, we have the three impure Right? And the three impure klipas, 
they are like a tree. And a tree produces a lot of things, right? Produces, what does a tree produce? It has bark, trees grow bark, or fruits, leaves, right? Right, there's all sorts of things, right? So these three impure klipas, they generate all sorts of things. They infuse all sorts, they enliven all sorts of things, right? Okay, well, what did we say? We said that the soul of people, not Jews, regular people, where does that come from? The source is klipas. The three impure klipas, right? Yeah. That's on the list. What about their bodies? Yeah. That was on the list. What about animals? Yeah. Well, animals we divide, and we said which kind of animals? The uh, impure ones. Right. So, ones so here we have to make so a division. Kosher animals? Right. So if we say the animals are not kosher animals, then they're from Klippa. Then they come from this Klippa, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't talk about the kosher animals, right? We're going to talk about that later. Okay? So in the, in the area of animals, right, and both their, their nephesh, their soul, and it says the existence of their body, right? Now let's move to plants. What about plants? What does it say about plants? That they're, like, bad, like mixed leader or Right, so we're going to call these ones... Yeah, we're gonna do the, we're gonna, I'm going to use the not kosher kosher distinction again, okay, right? So if they're non kosher plants, then where does their soul come from? Um, the three of her clipas. What about their body? What about the actual body of the plant? Kleba. Really? Does that was the text says? Look. No. Notice it leaves out the body, right? Yeah. Okay, and then what about the diamond? Does it mention the diamond at all? No. So this is a little bit interesting if you go through the list, right? It's like. So. There are things, let's use an example. I have a tree, an apple tree. The first three years that the apple tree grows, I'm not allowed to eat the apples, okay? I pick that apple, right? Is this apple being, is it, is it being generated and infused by the three impure klipas? No. So the answer we say is, well, yes and no. Some of it is and some of it is. Which part of it is it? It's the part that's the, that's the actual physical part isn't. The actual physical part isn't. The actual physical apple is not, but the no, life in the apple, the soul of the apple but I, is. I waited three years. No, I didn't wait three years. Oh, you ate the middle of the three years? Uh, I'm not taking a hold of it. I'm not going to eat it. I don't want to see it. Do we change that when we got sign of broccoli? No. Change broccoli changes none of this. Okay? What happens when well, you eat the non-kosher food? Nothing. Any so no, nothing. Oh, is it a brothel? It's a brothel. It's a sin. I forget. Something happens. You <laughs> sin by saying God's game in vain. Yes. And then if you ate it, then you'd sin again by eating non-kosher food. Then so what are we doing when we're taking these? I who said you're doing anything? We're, we're not going to worry about doing anything with klipas. We're just going to right now understand what it's saying. What about making a bracha on me after you had milk? If you're not allowed to eat the food and you make a bracha, it's a bracha latala. I think to be honest, I'm not eating non-kosher Okay. So. I mean, no. Okay. So now, let's. What, what I want to know that wasn't true. Let's. Do you notice that over here? It, that it, this is not saying everything in existence, saying certain things. Okay. Now here's the thing. I want to. In order to understand what, what he's saying, we need to, what we need to do is we need to differentiate between two things. We need to differentiate between something 
an, a thing versus a behavior, okay? Are you allowed to eat pork? No. No. Now, is that because God has some objection to you doing the act of eating the pork, or is there something about the pork? Pork. It's about the pork. Mm -hmm. It's about the pork, yeah. Uh, really? Because then you wouldn't be able to have a pig on your farm. But the problem with the pork, the problem with the pork is not a problem if you don't eat it. But the problem is with... You, so it's you. No, 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 I'll explain to you the difference. No, you're eating apples. Wait, 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 wait. What? Give me the opportunity to explain myself. Okay, is a Kohen allowed to marry a divorcee? No. Is that because the divorcee is the three impure Kalipas? No. It's a problem with him. It's a problem with him marrying her, right? He is not the Kalipa. She is not a Kalipa, right? What is the Kalipa? Them. The action, the activity, right? We're not here, are we talking here about activities? We're talking about things. Things. Right, here we do not mention activities. We mention things, right? Okay. Non-kosher is okay, so now, here's the thing. There are certain things that are not kosher from the moment they come into existence. Okay? For instance, a pig. Right? A pig is not kosher, right? Mm -hmm. Does anything have to happen to the pig to make it not kosher? No. Does anything ever happen to the pig to make it kosher? No. no. It is intrinsically not kosher. not kosher. Right? Yes? That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Now, the apple's not intrinsic. Oh, oh, so this is, this is why the altar picks very specific examples. In the realm of things which are plants, there are only two kinds of plants where the plant is intrinsically not kosher. I can give you many of things that are not kosher, but they're not intrinsically not kosher. For instance, for instance, let me give you some. Number one, if you offer something off as a sacrifice to an idol, the food becomes not kosher. You right. can, okay? Offer it to an idol? Yes. There's a, there's a, I was once at a Fabregan many, many years ago with a shliach. I don't remember which one, we, which one was in some Southeast Asian country. And uh, he wanted to give a hechsher on a restaurant for because there was Jews there that um, he wanted a fancy restaurant to do business meetings at. And they're willing to, they were traditional, but they weren't so firm. So he found a vegetarian restaurant and he checked and everything was fine. So he was going to give a hechsher. And then he noticed there was like a symbol on their stationery. He asked about it. Because that symbol also was like in the entrance was a little statue of it. And they told him, oh, this is our God. And every morning we take a little bit from every dish and we offer, we offer it to the God. And then we mix it back in so that everyone That's can partake so of the sacrifice. And so I don't know if you know this rule, but like one little drop falls in and then nullified by 60. Yeah, it doesn't count for idol worship. It doesn't count for idol worship, which means that's more not kosher than McDonald's. <laughs> but here's the important thing. Is the food intrinsically not kosher, or something happened to make it not kosher? Something made it not kosher. Wait, right. it doesn't get nullified? No, there's no nullification. Things that are connected with idolatry cannot be nullified. Yeah, like you can't, like any vessels, you have to bury them instead yeah. of using them, and things like that. What did it look like? <laughs> he described it, but I don't remember right now. Interesting. I thought that was your question. I know. What was the gospel going to think? That keeping kosher in Southeast but Asia is much more up. keeping kosher in Southeast Asia is much more difficult to be kosher in the United States for any number of reasons. It really is. Then would there be a category for like a killed cow? Oh, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The killed cow is not the killed cow. We're gonna look, the, the killed cow. It does it does become forbidden to eat. Okay. Right, but it's not right. So the altar but doesn't bring a cow that wasn't slaughtered properly. He brings. 
Uh, yeah. Who are unclean. Tame. The word tame. Can we stay focused? Can we stay focused? Okay. The word, when you say some animal is tame, it doesn't mean that it's just not kosher. It goes a little bit beyond that. It's something that could never be kosher. Like a horse. Like a slug. Okay. So the author is picking examples of things which their status of being absolutely forbidden is intrinsic in them. Nothing happened to them. It's not about the behavior, right? So the, what kind of non-kosher animals are we talking about? We're talking about the animal itself was not kosher, right? And what kind of plants are we talking about? Only things where the, the, the not kosherness is, is, is so you're saying from the beginning. things that are like specifically from the moment of creation right. that was a problem. Right. Okay. So... All right, so wait, what plants are coming? So, so... Wait, let me finish the thought. Okay. Plants, there's only two things that are not kosher from the moment they come into existence. And those are fruits of the first three years. And mixed seeds. And mixed seeds. Okay, you're not allowed to plant different kinds of plants connect so in the same spots. What? So, you're not allowed... To no, 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 you're mixing, you're mixing, you're mixing with things. You're talking about grafting. That's a different thing. Oh. There's a problem of I have a wheat field, right? I cannot plant a vineyard over my wheat field or wheat field under my vineyard, which is actually a real thing. Like I, where I live, there's there's a our village right across the road, and they have vineyards. And guess what they do? Because I don't know if you know anything about vineyards, but in vineyards, if you want the grapes to it's, it's, it's a trade-off between high-quality grapes that are a lot of work or lower-quality grapes where you get more of them and less work. But if you want more grapes with less work, what you do is you raise the vines up off the ground because vines don't really stand up on their own, right? Which means that you actually have a lot of empty space in your vineyard, right? So you plant underneath. And you plant underneath. And so what do people do? They plant underneath. And so you can actually see that there's you know, vines and underneath there's some, I think, it's, I think it's wheat, but I don't know for sure. And like if it, if you do that, so the the, the, the those things are those the, the, those things are are forbidden to eat from the moment they come into existence. Okay, also the fruit for the first three years of a tree. And so these things are examples of things where it's not like something happened and makes it in forbidden to eat, right? This thing is not kosher from the moment it comes into existence and never can become kosher. Okay? There's nothing like that in the realm of just domain, of just straightforward physical objects. Now, you can make things forbidden, but they're not come out that way from the beginning. So the way the world is set up, before you even enter the scene, the Kalipas already have conquered a certain amount of area of the world, that this is their space, that what's happening there is a manifestation of these three impure Kalipas. And what is that? All of the non-kosher animals' souls and their bodies. So the soul of a pig, the body of a pig. The soul of the horse, the body of the horse. Right? The soul enlivening the impure plants, right? Which is only the two kinds, right? The non-kosher plants. And the soul and the bodies of non-Jews. That's like the natural boundaries of the three impure klipas. That's their domain. That's theirs. Okay? And everything that's happening on, in, in those things is, being, is, is occurring because of the influence of these spiritual entities. 
Now, the truth of the matter is that they're getting their power from God, and God is really working through them, and they don't, they're in just denial of it, right? right? But for our purposes, that means every single one of these things is literally an embodiment, not of God's power, but it's actually an embodiment of these klipas. So what does that mean when you're eating pork? What are you doing? You're taking these klipas, right? It's energy and the actual physical stuff. And, it's, and you're making it become part of yeah. you. Right? You just allowed the three pure klipas to totally invade you. But if you eat something that's a little bit less not kosher. Yes. It's not less not kosher. No, let's see what I'm saying. I do know what you're saying, but I'm going to pretend I don't know what you're saying. Okay. okay. Now. So, wait, so why do we have a rationale for why? For plants, it's only the soul. And yes, that's what exactly I'm going to get to. So here's the thing, right? If I have an apple tree, the first three years the fruit is impure, right? But the, four, uh, the fruit, fruit is forbidden. The fourth year the fruit is, for, is permitted, right? Well, did the tree become a different tree? No. So I have a problem, because if, if the tree itself is being, its existence comes from the three impure klipas, then that tree for the entire span of its existence would always be forbidden, right? One of the differences between the soul and the body of something, think about it in our own lives, our soul, we go to sleep at night, what happens? Our soul is rejuvenated. The soul is constantly being rejuvenated. And so the soul is something that can fluctuate. The body, the body is the same body from the beginning until the end. That's why we can't be with like non-Jew. This is also why you can't be with a non-Jew, yeah. It's the same reason. So it comes out like this, right? The tree that you actually planted is not coming from the three impure klipas. But the life that's coming in for the first three years is three, three impure klipas. But in the fourth year, the life is coming from a different place. In other words, there's, there's two levels here. There's the life and there's the body. The body is a package deal. From the beginning of the entity's existence till the end, if its body comes from the three impure klipas, there's just no, it'll never be able to ever become permitted. But how does the physical body one work for people who are gay? Remember, I'm speaking about now about how things are independent of a Jew's involvement. It's just this is the way the world is. Okay. Okay. So there I is there is there is an idea of, 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 of there is an idea of Jews being able to change things around. Um, that's why that's why a convert can't convert themselves. A Jew needs to convert a convert. Okay, but then technically, if we do like that, like why can't you just make an animal? Okay. Kosher? One second. That's one thing. The other thing is here is this idea about the Gentiles being from three impure klipas. I have to make a caveat here. This applies to the majority of Gentiles. It does not apply to all. Okay. The Altar says this in a, in a discourse. And so the, the ones that convert are actually in a slightly separate category. Okay. okay. Got it. Okay. So there are these things which independent of like what God wants you to do. They're not talking yet about mitzvahs, about sinning. These things, their very existence of their bodies, right? The very life of their souls is an extension of these beings, is a product of these beings whose whole purpose in life is to go against God. Which means when you look at a horse, what is a horse really, truthfully, at its core? I know you don't feel that way. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole being. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an embodiment of going against God. That is it. That's also why, like, you'll say it's not like, can you have to have a divorce? No, that's it. That's, 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 no, I just happen to pick horses. Right? I love horses. 
Um, by the way, this but this does explain something that the Rebbe said that small children should not be exposed to pictures of non-kosher animals. Now that, like, what's the argument there? The argument there is that that is a representation of. Now, so 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 the thing is the thing is like this. The thing is like this. There is a the Rebbe the Rebbe himself said there is a difference between whether you are actively using the, the thing in a permitted way in order to serve Hashem, that's not a problem. So the idea, like, to have illustrations, like, in a story so that a child can uh, appreciate, like, a, a story of, you know, from Chazal, from the Tanakh or something, that's fine. If you have illustrations about, like, the lessons we learn from different animals, like the Mishnah says, to be strong like a lion, that's why we have lions on the Aaron Kodesh, that's fine. To take them to a zoo so that they have an appreciation of the wonders, right? It, or you're actively putting it in a context. But just as pure art and decoration, that's what the Rebbe objects. The Rebbe actually says that in the Sikh. In, in other words, the background imagery of the child's life should not be images of things which are, in essence, against Hashem. Now, if you take those things and you use them in a permitted way that actually further their appreciation of Hashem, there's nothing wrong with that. So, like, Having like decorating the child's room with like you know prancing ponies, don't do that. So you can have like a therapy dog, but you can't just have a dog. As well. Right, yeah. that would be the idea. Right. In other words, right. The, the, it, so I grew up. We I had a stuffed lamb. Instead oh, of us, yeah, we had little stuffed lambs. My brother had a stuffed lamb, and then we would play out the carbon Pesach when we were children. Oh, you do slaughter your stuffed lamb? Yeah, with a little, with a little plastic knife. We were doing the mitzvah. We carried to the base of the mitzvah. <laughs> That's intense. <laughs> that is intense. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, what, what it's important to understand is... Is it a giraffe? Is it a giraffe kosher? Yes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It is kosher. It is kosher. It's so hard to... It's, okay, I'll tell you. There are three reasons. There are three reasons why we don't chef the giraffe. Number one, it is illegal and you're going to get yourself arrested. What? Because they're endangered species. Giraffes. You can't eat them. That's number one. Really? Yes, they're illegal to kill. Yes, they're endangered species. But we're not killing. I mean, if you chef it, you kind of have to kill it. <laughs> number two, number two, there's really no market for giraffes setting that aside because I don't know if so any of you. Nobody has ever tasted a giraffe. One second. I don't know if you've ever eaten. So. I don't know if you've ever eaten wild animals, but they are not exceptionally pleasant to eat. They're tough and difficult to eat, which is why, as a general rule, there's very little market even amongst Gentiles for game meat. Right. Which then leads me to a third thing, is that many Jews have an idea, which is debatable whether it's an halacha, whether it, we should be killing animals that we don't have a tradition of eating. There's some debate about when that rule applies and doesn't apply, um, with regard to birds, with regard to locusts. Should we, do we all, in addition to the signs outlined in the Torah, do we also need tradition? I'm not getting into that, but there's an argument to be made that maybe we should, be, we should only eat animals that we have a tradition of eating, right. even if technically. There are Jews who do have the tradition to eat it, and they can, but then other people would say, well, yeah. we can't. But no one has a tradition of eating giraffes. Yes. Right. However, there's a myth, the there's a, yeah, yeah the locust ones. There is a myth that no one, we don't know where to shech the giraffe. Which is completely ridiculous. No, but it's it's, 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 you it's physically it's, hard. It is. Yeah, like a yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, fine, but like that, that's. Like, <laughs> down, like, we're just but how easy is it to lay a giraffe? No, but, it's not very easy to kill a cow either. It's not. <laughs> like, 
but the in order an animal has to be shechted, um, um, there's an, there's if you touch your neck, you'll notice that there's the, a, a little like hard spot over here. Mm-hmm. So it has to be below that, and then you'll notice that like there's like over here. No, but I've seen shechita. Um, so it's like, and you've like, you've, there's like, a, there's a space so you can see where on the esophagus is too high up and where it's too low down, and like which neck bones it applies to. And so a giraffe, on a purely technical thing, would be the easiest thing to shecht because you've got like several feet worth of shechtable space. Yes. <laughs> it's not you don't know where. It's like it's that's that's just not true. But uh, I did hear that myth growing up. But, yeah. Okay. No, it's just uh, they're, 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 you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to eat it. Okay. So these things, these are impure klipas. These things are embodiments of klipa. And remember, the three impure klipas are completely impure. Now, what does it mean that they're completely impure? That so they're completely impure. So in what way can you elevate them? In what way can you, can you bring them in, into the service of God? And the answer is you can't. Okay, so the thing is like this. There is an idea, and I'm not, there is an idea that, that the impure, the, that Klippa has, everything has, um, so to speak, two elements. One element is it itself, and the other element is what it leads to. In halacha, we call this things that are forbidden to eat and things that are forbidden to benefit from. So for example, okay, are you allowed to eat a cow? Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. But in principle, you can eat a cow, right? Can I drive a cow? You can eat a cow. Can you eat a horse? No. No. But can you derive benefit from a horse? Yeah. Yes. Now, what's the difference between eating a horse and deriving benefit from a horse? Well, it's conceptually, the eating of the horse entails the horse itself, whereas the benefit from the horse is taking place outside the horse, beyond the horse. For instance, if I'm riding the horse, right, I'm benefiting from the fact that I'm here to there. It's the horse has stayed distinct from me, disconnected from me. And this yeah. is different than like, aren't all non animals living there? Well, one second, one second. Some things are, for, some things, some things, so there's, an, there's, a, there's, there's another discussion, which doesn't show up here in Tanya, is that how bad is the klipa? Is the klipa self-contained? If the klipa is only a self-contained thing, it's going to be forbidden to eat, but it won't be forbidden <laughs> to benefit from. I'll give you an example. Like some people are sick. Would you want to take somebody, let's use an example, let's take someone who has got for his HIV, okay? If someone has HIV, are they contagious? I mean, barring like very interesting things, but like normal day to day, you can sit next to them, you can talk to them, right? It's not a big deal, right? right? They, do not, they don't spread their disease about them. Now, you obviously would not want to take any part of someone with HIV and put it into your body, right? That would be bad. But as long as they're there and you're here, like, it's fine, right? But then you have things like, say, COVID, right? Where COVID, right, even if they're over there and you're over here, right, it can infect you, right? So there's this kind of, that some klipas, some things of the klipa, they're infectious. They spread the klipa outside of themselves. So that kind of thing is not just going to be forbidden to eat. It's also going to be forbidden to benefit from. But some things, the klipa stays localized within themselves. So as long as you're not consuming it, so is there any prohibition of riding a horse? Is there even a prohibition of looking at putting ponies around the child's window? Not a prohibition. I've just said like is an added spiritual sensitivity not to do it, but it's not prohibited. But then there are things that you're not allowed to benefit from. 
What would be an example of something you're not allowed to benefit from? Anyone know? Milk and meat mixed together, you're not allowed to benefit from. That's true. Okay. Yes, it's complicated. In other words, what we've spoken about this idea before, there's different dimensions of things. So here what the altar is talking about is the irredeemability of the thing in and of itself. There are some things that from the very moment they come into existence, their entire existence or their entire life or both is just an embodiment of an irredeemable klipa. Okay, fine. Now, some of those klipas are like pretty self-contained, so as long as you're not consuming it, <laughs> do you have any problem? No. Some things, might, their klipa might not be so intrinsic, right? But they might radiate their klipa more. I mean, after all, I mean, if you had one of the two diseases, God forbid, HIV or COVID, which would you pick? You probably would pick COVID, right? I've had COVID, it's fine, I got over it, it's okay. I mean, there are people who didn't, which is sad, right? But like HIV, as far as we know, was like, that's really not good to have. But at the same time, if you're thinking on a population level, HIV is not nearly as big of a problem as COVID because it doesn't really spread except right. through very specific means, right? So chametz on Pesach, chametz is not intrinsically three impure klipa. Something has to happen on Pesach, it becomes that. But on Pesach, you can't drive benefit. It, 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 it radiates its klipa and infects other stuff. The one that does it the worst is idolatry, by the way. Idolatry radiates its klipa in perpetuity. Yes. yes. So it's like if, if I have an idol and I sell the idol, the money I made from the idol is forbidden. Does this work with the, uh, with the other like, things that you're never allowed to do? Like, does that also radiate klipa? We're going to get to doing things in the next little bit. Right now we're talking about entities, OK? Well, you're, you're talking about idolatry. You have to do something for idolatry. Yeah, but the idol itself becomes. No, it's like like so. If, if, well, you're saying like if I put food in front of an idol, then that, that that's that, really. So I'm asking like you know there are three things that like you're not allowed to do no matter what, and one of them is idolatry. Yeah. But I'm wondering if the rest also fall in. No, 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 no. Okay. no. It doesn't line up like that. Wait, does this have anything to do with like? No, 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 no. Think about it, right? The greatest, most, the the greatest impurity is a dead body, right? And if you come in contact with a dead body, you stop being Jewish and holy. Like, no, those are. But you have to, like, you do have to. It's sophisticated. It's a little bit complicated. Okay. So the issue here he's discussing is that there are things in the world that, by the very nature of their being, whether we're talking about the being on the level of the soul or being on the level of the body. Are embodiments of these klipa entities, and and with the, these klipas are irredeemable, right? There's they're three, they're completely impure. There's nothing you can do to fix that to change that, and so these things, right? In a certain sense, even if God didn't tell you you shouldn't do them, you shouldn't eat these things, you shouldn't consume these things, then it would probably be good to stay away from them. Okay, and again, there's a separate question about whether a klipa is self-contained. Or it's contagious. If it's self-contained, the prohibition is going to be only on consuming it. If it's contagious, then you're not going to be able to benefit from it. Okay? And something could be not such a bad klipa, but more contagious, right? Okay. But then he says, as also the existence and vitality of all actions, utterances, and thoughts pertaining to 365 prohibitions and their offshoots, as is explained there at the end of chapter 5. So now we add another category, which is actions, behaviors. 
when you are doing or speaking or thinking something, there is a body and a soul to that. The body is the actual event, and the soul is what you put into it. So for instance, let's say, um, let's say you, uh, let, let, let's say um, a person um, kills somebody, God forbid, right? So what's the body of the, the body of the action is the physical action, right? What's the soul of the action? The soul of the action is their desire, their anger, their rage, their jealousy that goes into it, mm -hmm. right? So for instance, when you do a sin, right? A sin has a body and a soul, right? Okay, the soul is more the, in, the, the part that's more psychological. And the, and, the, and the body is the actual technical thing. So you're saying like it's, it's the action of actually like eating a cheeseburger. Right. Okay. And what's the soul of it? The soul is how excited you are to, to eat the cheeseburger. <laughs> the attentions, right. Okay, so now let's take an example. Let's say for instance a person Wait, is- if someone's excited to be doing something, it's worse? Yes. Because then it puts more soul. Wait, so the body is the action. The body is the action. Okay, so let's say a person. Let's say a person is. Um, we we'll use we we'll use an example. Let's say a Cohen marries a divorcee. Mm -hmm. Now the Cohen, he's not the Klippa there, right? Right. The divorcee is not the Klippa. So the what's the Klippa, right? The actions of the marriage are the Klippa, and all of the emotion that they put in that motivates them. That's the Klippa. That would be the soul. Right. So okay. it's not like that you get married people. The idea in his head is desire to marry, right? So now that means, by the way, while you are sinning, while you are sinning, the part of you that is doing the sin, both physically and psychologically, has become has become an extension of the people like a pig. You know what? So it's an extension. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you're not, you don't become, you're not the Klippas themselves. Rabbi? Yes. What happens if a Kaya gets divorced? Nothing. Just can't remarry Some her. Rules of he can't marry him. Whoever he divorced. He can marry like a boss Kaya who divorced? No. Really? No. He can marry anyone but a divorced person? A divorced person, a convert, a woman who was in relations with someone she couldn't marry. Um, same list. Right. This is why a Cohen getting divorced is a really big deal, right? Because it's, yeah. it's, there's no backseas on that. It's happened, unfortunately, right. where people got divorced and um, then they realized afterwards that that wasn't what they wanted to do. And if he's a Cohen, there's really nothing you can do about it. Not desire is bad too. Right. Right. Even if you have the phone call. Well, you can't always... Mm. What? <laughs> Alright, you can stop yourself from actually physically doing something. But you can't stop yourself always from like having a moment where you want to do something. Okay, but this is, very, this is very important. This is very important, right? Souls without bodies are not such a bad, big deal, right? Well, bodies without souls... Bodies without souls are more, far worse than souls without bodies. Think about it. Oh, but only here. No, conceptually, what is a soul without a body? It's something that exists only for itself. It has no effect on what's beyond itself. Yeah. A body without a soul, it's, it, it impacts others. It's just very passive. 
In other words, of the two, which is worse? A, a sin without intent or the intent to sin without the sin? A sin without the intent, and for a very simple reason. I, the body of something is what makes it real to, the, to, to reality. Right. The soul is what makes it real to itself. So your desire to sin so that you okay, never actually not, sin... It's not the sin without the intent, it's the intent without. Intent without the actual sin, the desire That's to sin? That's better than... I mean, it's, 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 it's like not so great for the state of your soul, but like, it, no, it doesn't... Wait. I mean, on a very simple level, right? Like, if, 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 if you feel the desire to sin and don't sin, number one you got a mitzvah for not sinning. And number two, like, there's no punishments for that. Yeah, but it's not a plus or minus game either. Like, it's not... But you can use the plus or minus to appreciate that they're, that they're different. I think I'm getting a bit mixed up. So the soul is like the intent to sin. So that would be the animal part of your soul, much like, right. right? And so then when your soul is intending to sin, then it becomes Kripa, so the animal soul is becoming Kripa? No, no, no. It has the animal soul is always Kripa. We're going to talk about the animal soul later. Let's just talk about the, When I said the intent to sin is actually the actual, actual Kripa, um, that doesn't, the, 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 that is not, that only becomes a really serious problem if it actually turns into a sin. Like that's one of the themes Otto was going to discuss later on, is that the underlying desires that you can't really control, you don't have to worry about. Like, we're going to get to that when we talk about chapter. When we're talking about when we talk about chapter seven, we're going to get more into this. The the thing that I just want you to understand is right. All of those are klipas, right? But the question is that some are right. Just more. Right. Right. But what he says here is the vitality of the action. Meaning, if there's no action, we haven't risen to this level yet. Right? So it's like this. What he's saying is like this. If you do something you're not supposed to do, then that is the same as the pig. And if you do it with a lot of zeal, right, then that klipa is very alive. It's a very vibrant klipa. It's a very, you know, it's a, and if you do it kind of passively, it's a kind of like a nebuch klipa. <laughs> And one, 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 one of the reasons why a person has to do tshuva many times for the same sin is not because of the sin, it's because of the, intensi the intensity that they had in the sin and that the tshuva, the intensity of tshuva is not always comparable to the intensity of the sin. So that's on that level of vitality. But we're not talking right now about your underlying psyche. That's not what we're talking about. So that's why I tried to avoid the meaning, the intent, the desire to sin is not really... It's like when you're doing it, how when you're doing it, how like into it. How to do it, or like actually genuinely enjoy the moment, kind of thing, as yeah. opposed to right. just having a thought. Right. right. So By the way, the way you know, the way you know, the way you know that you've really done shuva for a sin is that when you think back having done it, you don't enjoy the memory of doing it. Not every sin. No. No, it's very rare actually. Most sins you doing. I didn't say you regret doing. Oh. I didn't regretting doing is much easier. You, you I can regret doing all sorts of things. But do you enjoy the memory of it? When you go back and relive the actual look, the person did something we weren't supposed to do. When they did it, was it enjoyable? Yeah. Okay, when you go back and you relive that moment in your mind, is it still enjoyable on some level? If it is, it means that that, that you haven't, it means that that vitality part you really haven't dealt with. Yeah, but what if you never enjoyed it to begin with? Then you wouldn't have sinned. 
There's a presumption people only sin for their own benefit. We're not talking about where a person sins because of a lack of knowledge. That's not. That's just not. No, I don't. Yeah. What? When, when you've heard of someone doing something that they know to be forbidden? Yeah, and when I do it, and I and I think back of it, I won't enjoy it. We have to set this. You know, proper tshuva. You look back, you won't. Oh, after the proper tshuva. Yeah, after you do proper tshuva. It's like I, this example I like to use for this is like this. It's like There's let's no say way. you made fun of somebody, and it was really good. It was really funny. It was like. No, but you. Wait, 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 wait. You made fun of somebody, right? And it was funny, it was clever, it was witty, it was one, you know, it could have been in a movie, it was that good, okay? And obviously you feel bad because they hurt the person's feelings, and, right? And you really feel bad and you're great, you shouldn't have done it, okay? Six, eight months later, right? You're sitting around with not that person, and someone else brings it up. Remember that time you made that joke and everyone starts chuckling to himself? What's your gut instinct? It was not funny. Is your gut instinct that that just feels so, not you feel guilty, you just, the person's pain, the person's sense of being dehumanized completely ruins the, ruins the experience for you? Or it's funny, but like you know you shouldn't find it funny. If it's funny, but you know you shouldn't find it funny, it means on some level you haven't really repented for it. Because if you really repented, but you would have appreciated the harm you caused the other person so much, it would ruin the taste of the memory, which is a hard thing to do. Do something because you're being forced to do it. Right? That's what we're, we're, Tanya deals with the level where we're in control of ourselves, right? In other words, when you're learning Tanya, don't get hung up on, I didn't know, I was never educated, it wasn't in my control. Like, those are all interesting well, philosophical all questions. Because I, no, I have. No, the, the reason is because the Alter is trying to guide a person. And so was talking about the area where you are the master of your destiny, right? Those things is it, that you're not really in control of. I mean, that's an interesting question, and it's discussed in Hasidic. It's just not the subject of Tanya. Okay. For the most part. The most part, the Alter does discusses the, the sense of which we're in control of our lives. What? Doing truth is very hard. I don't know, but like, there are things that, like... I regret having done it. I get absolutely no pleasure the fact that I did it, and I knowingly went into doing it, but I don't regret having done it. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I mean, this gets into a different thing, which you might be mentioning, where it's, there is a not having a regret done something because you realize that everything is part of your life, and you've learned from it, and you've experienced it. So there's, there's a notion of not regretting in the sense you wouldn't erase it because it's already happened, it's already part of you, you've already learned from it, you've already grown from it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual no, reliving. No, like if I could erase that it happened, yes, but so this is the, but this I don't, is like having done it. I'm not upset about. It. I'm upset about the whole situation. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, the, the, my point is, the point is, it's that level that we're talking about. That's very complicated and messy. That's the vitality yeah. of it. The action is very simple. Regretting the action is very simple. I did what I shouldn't have done. I wish I hadn't done what I shouldn't have done because it was wrong. Discussion over. I mean, that's that's very black and white. Okay. Okay. So now that means, and this is the, the takeaway we should understand, is that when a Jew does something forbidden, regardless of whether it is biblically forbidden or rabbinically forbidden, they have become equivalent to a pig. The part of them that is doing the, the part of them that is engaged in that forbidden action or speech or thought. A little bit. What? A little bit. You're saying the level of klipa is the same. The level of klipa is the same. It is the same level of klipa. Right? So like you don't have to eat the pig, you could just become the pig yourself. Thanks. 
right? You could, you know, I, instead, of, instead of taking the klipa from the pig and ingesting it into you, you could just drive on Shabbos and become the pig. And do you go back to your level of pickle when you've done <laughs> Well, that depends. In chapter 24, the Alter Rebbe discusses Wait, it. It depends not, what kind of sin it is. Whether or not it's rabbinical or... No, whether it's karis or not karis. Oh. If it's not a karis sin, then you go back, then you, then you automatically go back. You rebound to where you were before. Wait. After you do chuba? No, even without chuba. Yeah, but like, wait, I don't know if you were told that like having anger in certain moments is considered the same as Bozara, so Yeah, yeah, like, yeah but you, you have to you have to have the the the, the 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 sophistication not to like it's not the same as the Bojazara. Like if you get angry, let me just say, yeah. In the times of the temple, if you get angry, right, and two witnesses warn you, you know you're angry, you should stop being angry. No one's going to take you to the base and have you stoned. It's not gonna happen. It's not the same thing. As like Jaws. Right. Whereas like if you worship an idol, it really is. Right. Okay. No, it depends on the. There's different. There's sins that that involve something called kares, and kares means that your soul gets cut off. Basically, think about it like your soul acts like a bungee cord. And no matter how far you pull down, you'll bounce back up to where you were before. But if you cut the cord, when you go down, you know, that's you the stay there. But that's what that's what cards. That's all independent of truth. You do truth. Truth can fix anything. What? What's all done? Kares. Um, there's the forbidden relationships: Shabbos, eating on Yom Kippur, Chametz on Pesach. Even if I do something a little bit wrong on Shabbos, I get It's only deraisa. Dereisa. What? Only with Dereisa? Only with Dereisa. Um, like not having a bris no, yeah, not having a bris mila intentionally and um, what? Murder? Murder, yeah. Murder. What's Dereisa? Biblical. Like, like, there's actually, oh, sorry, eating the wrong parts of a cow. Eating the chela, yeah, the high yeah. yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. But there's actually very few things. You're assuming, if you, if you're, yeah. That's a lot. I'm Brothers, no? What? Yeah. Yeah. Was it considered or not? And there was like mm-hmm. carlos or not. Yeah. There's a question whether they had That's to eat. That's the matter before you give it a small. Yeah. Right, right, right. Was there any? Oh, it was the animal that was inside the animal. Is that the same bite? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So here's the thing. These things, here, these, these things that we've mentioned, they are, so we mentioned a series of things and also a series of actions. They are, are, an embodiment of something which is whole being thrives on going against the chef. Thirty nine, yes. Thirty nine? Yes. It's Mudarisa? Yeah, but I something wrong from the thirty, I'm not But this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm tying. It doesn't Here's the thing. It doesn't matter because even if it's Durabanan, it's still Shlesha Klippa's face. It's still the same but I'm, thing. I'm Karis is another level. My jumping thing, I'm falling to the ground. Let me just put this let me just put this way, yeah? The bungee cord thing. It's not like you budge your court thing, you drop down and then you like bounce back up. It's like you drop down, smack yourself on the floor, oh it really hurts, the cord gets very weak, and then you bounce back up. Oh, but I, I bounce back up. You still bounce back oh, up, but there's damage. You have to bounce back up. And it takes really long to bounce back up. No, it happens right away, as soon as the sinning is done. 
but but that's not the the, the, the altar point here is like. I don't think. I mean, yeah. The altar point here is these. I would think it's stronger when you bounce back out. What? Isn't it the whole thing like when you tie the knot and you? No, that's chuva. This bouncing has nothing to do with chuva. This is automatic. This is like you're eating the cheeseburger. You stop eating the cheeseburger, boom, you're, it goes back. No chuba. Okay, but the, the point of this, the point, the point in this chapter, okay, is that these klipas are uninteresting. Okay, I would, I would like, I would like to finish this. It's straightforward. It's uninteresting, right? It's like, you know where it says like high voltage danger of death, do not cross? Yeah. It means it, just, just stay away from it. It's like overall just not a good idea to get involved with this. The interesting stuff is the other klipa, right? The stuff that we haven't listed yet. That other klipa is quite fascinating and complicated and that's where most of the difficulties in our life and the fact that the godly soul is such a tricky time being connected to Hashem has very little to do with these klipas per se. It has much more to do with the f- fourth klipa, which we're going to learn about in chapter 7. Right. That's what basically what he's saying is a sin is a sin is a sin is a sin. It doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. It's all just a big piece of pig. Like you are the pig. I don't know, because it's like the symbol of the most... Yeah. If I said it's a big piece of lobster, I don't know if it would have the same effect. Um, so the takeaway is that you know maybe you should like not do things you're not supposed to do or eat the things you're not supposed to eat. It actually is that simple. Okay, it, I mean, it's, it is that simple. It is that simple. There's a separate question, which is, am I going to choose to do it? I'm not going to choose to do it. That's a separate question, but it is that simple. Do people? We okay. could choose to, and it's still not happening. Then you didn't choose to. So people do. Do people get to that level with I don't want to, but there are people. There are people. And I need to. What do you do? No, no, you don't need to. You know, no, you don't need to. I want to do what I'm doing. But let me do. You need to. You sometimes you need to. You need to go out and have like a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. You need to have a cheeseburger. You need to tie your shoes with a double knot on Shabbos. You need to. Okay. But how can anybody reach this level if they probably not even aware of something? <laughs> yes. Never then you have to learn. I, I you have to learn. You, see, you can't. You can't. You can't do things without learning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why you should. That's why you should learn the laws of Shabbos because the laws of Shabbos are quite complicated. Yeah, but then once you learn them all really well, you're responsible for every single one. <laughs> Yeah, but even if you're not, it still doesn't make a difference. No. The clip is still the clip. Yeah, but it's not the same level. Okay, so you're not going to be punished. It's like, this you know, like it's like, it's like, what's what? It's like, imagine, okay, I, I, I like this debate. Is it better to have someone drink bleach because they're two and not know it's bleach or because they're 17 and trying to commit suicide? Like, which is better? It's like, well, preferably just let's not drink the bleach at all, right? Like, that should be where we're going. Like, why is that the... It doesn't though because if you don't know, it doesn't change the klipa. It, it changes your culpability. Okay. Which is like, no, 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 no
What? I think it changes. It changes the vitality part, right? It changes the level. It has to change the goal. Listen, what this is asking is to rewire my entire vision of what sitting is like. Yes, exactly. I'm glad you figured that out. We have a success. I don't think of it as like are you not? <laughs> like, I still have like 24 other years of other, like. I'm aware of that, which is why the altar doesn't expect the change to happen in an instant. But yes, every chapter of Tanya is trying to redefine how to do it.